Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Uh, what do you got there? Picture of a nuclear reactor? Uh, it's a picture of Chernobyl. Somewhat fancified, but uh, it's a picture of Chernobyl melting down. And you know, you know why that's relevant, Bob? Because you're having a meltdown? No, because of infrastructure. Uh, the um, this weird thing happened this week where the Democrats sort of apropos of nothing, where Nancy Pelosi tried to. You know who that is on the phone, Mickey? You know who that is on the phone? I, I think it's somebody calling for my father who died 25 years ago. So, I think it's somebody calling and asking you if this can, if we can hope that this will be the last week we have to talk about infrastructure. But go no. ahead. It's going to go on forever. No, no, no. <laughs> but well, here's why it might not go on forever. Anyway, she tries to bully the House progressives into approving the hard infrastructure bill before the soft infrastructure bill is ready. And yeah. she employs all sorts of bullshit to do this, including uh, she, you know, uh, saying that they can count on the Senate to pass it. But then the, the mansion and cinema issue these wishy-washy statements. And then Bernie Sanders comes out and says, no, it's not good enough. She even stages a fake hearing in the rules committee where they're about to bring the, the, the big social spending bill that the progressives like to the floor. But it's it's a it's just a hearing. It's not they're not actually going to bring it to the floor. It's a complete fake. So the progressives didn't fall for it. And Biden, Biden even came down, came down again and gave a talk to the House and didn't didn't sway the progressives. Uh, didn't turn out to even ask for their vote bizarrely. And so why did they stage it? It wasn't because Biden was going to Glasgow and they didn't want it to go empty handed. That was transparent bullshit. And the answer is. They're worried about a Chernobyl-like Chernobyl-like meltdown. Chernobyl-like meltdown after Terry McAuliffe loses in Virginia. They're worried that. Oh, you're predicting a Chernobyl-like no, meltdown. I'm just saying what they were worried about. It, 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 I, I, I actually don't know which way that's going. Although the last, latest polls look terrible for McAuliffe. He's eight points behind in the Fox poll, uh, and so Youngkin seems to be surging. But there are a lot of people have already voted, so McAuliffe might win on the basis of his early votes. Um, so, but wait, I don't get the connection. Um, the connection would be it's it's it would be like Eric Cantor losing and killing immigration reform. Okay, that was such so a if shock. McAuliffe, you're saying if McAuliffe loses on Tuesday, that's going to blow up this these this legislation. That's what they're worried about. They're, and I'm not quite sure it will happen, even if McAuliffe loses. But, there, you know, Cantor did blow up immigration. I mean, I don't think it would have passed anyway, mm -hmm. but uh, Cantor lost to this this unknown Dave Bratt who was running on immigration. And Cantor was a big cheese. Nobody expected him to lose. And he lost. And it was, you know, shockwaves rippled and immigration was dead, 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 dead. Nothing's going to happen. So this would not be quite that bad because the guy who's running against McAuliffe isn't running on Biden's Build Back Better and that it's a terrible bill, but it would still be a shock and Democrats would freak out and the timid moderates would say, why are we voting on this thing? It's going to get us in trouble like Obamacare got that us That seems like such a reach. That's, I, that, that's the worry. That's what they were worried about. Well, if there were, first of all, it seems like a reach. I, I, I don't know. That seems like a bizarre interpretation of, of the results of a McAuliffe loss. But, but Secondly, if they're so worried, why don't they get this thing passed uh, before Tuesday? Well, they tried. 
Because, I mean, that was the whole point. They tried to okay, get Okay, but wait. Now, this is at odds with a tweet of yours, okay? Hey. So can I read the tweet that this, your whole I, analysis here I've seems somewhat at odds with? I've gone on this issue, but go ahead. Pretty recently, apparently. Yeah. Today, uh, you quote tweeted Tony Fratto, who said, both infrastructure and reconciliation will pass, but they can't pass until everyone gets approved to their partisans. They fought to the very end and get all they could, blah, blah, blah. And you, you, uh, you said, yes, it's all brilliant kabuki. That's the ticket. Which would be, I think, a bad metaphor in any event, unless you actually think this thing was centrally orchestrated from months or at least weeks ago where everybody was in the same room and Bernie Sanders was, you know, having beers with Joe Manchin saying, you know, you know, this is going to work great, man. Like, so I don't think the kabuki metaphor ever made sense, really. But but in any event, you're predicting, I think this is very, like an hour ago on Twitter or something. When did you tweet this? An hour (laughs) ago, yeah. And now you've gone done a 180? No, it was ironic, Bob. I think it's not brilliant kabuki. I think claiming it's brilliant kabuki is democratic spin. That's bullshit. Oh, my God. You know, you got to- well, If you say that's pe- the ticket, that is a sign. Irony. That's the ticket. That's John Mickey, Lovitz's you, irony. You and all the other people on Twitter who think that everyone on Twitter, or even like 70% of the people reading their tweets, know them so well- They'll get their sarcasm. You're living in a you're living in a past golden age. I I I, I recognize at the New Republic we had a, a a clear coherent readership. They knew our voice. They got our jokes. This is different. You're Bob, just asking to be misunderstood. I'm worried about you. I, I had two indicia of irony in that tweet. One, there was an exclamation point. Two, it said that's the ticket. I couldn't have driven it home any harder unless I said this is irony. Okay, Mickey, you, uh, do you realize you're, that you're, everyone you're, you're in the bottom 10 percent of my readers here, everyone under the age of uh, 35 uses exclamation points earnestly. They are not signs of irony. Yes, but when I use them, they're signs of irony. Uh, I see. And you expect all these these uh, 34 year olds to be so familiar with your oeuvre. No, but I expect you. I expect you to be familiar with my oeuvre. Anyway, it's an interesting question of of will. Why would the Democrats melt down? People like Greg Sargent say it's irrational. But just as he points out, just because it's irrational doesn't mean they're not going to do it. Congressmen are timid and they don't want to get wiped out in a in a in a wave. And there is a legitimate rationale for it. I mean, even though even though Yunkin is campaigning mainly on school issues and, you know, critical race theory and, uh, you know, the 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 um, uh, maybe some transgender issues in the schools, uh, there is a general sort of stop the madness uh, vibe to the anti McAuliffe. Uh, there's campaign. no madness stop, left in this stop bill. Stop the madness vibe to the anti build back better uh what's the madness part of this legislation mickey the now that they've got the legislation it? is that voters won't weren't demanding it this is the pent up these are this whole legislation not the infrastructure which is what pelosi was desperately trying to pass so they could at least have some victory but the big social spending bill is the pent up demand of the washington liberal think tanks there's nothing the voters wanted the voters want biden to focus on COVID and the economy, and instead he's passing this big wish list of Washington think tanks that does not address their concerns. W- worse, 
It is a big wish list because it's the last gasp wish, li- wish list of a party that thinks it's going to lose Congress next year. So what are, uh, so it's, what it's, are the doubly, big items? it's doubly separated from the voters' concern, and that's the madness. The, 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 what, are the big, what are the big items in the bill that nobody wants? I, as, as Janan Ganesh, the world's finest columnist at the Financial Times, pointed out, just because they support something doesn't mean it's salient. Sure, they will say we'd like per family leave. That's a good thing. Is that a top issue for them? No, it's not a top issue for them. Uh, there, there, there. You know, there's not a, the the least popular thing uh, in the bill is the child tax credit that I don't like. So uh, that's the they 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 show they show uh, you know seven oh. provisions in the bill to voters, and they like six of them. And the only one they don't like is the permanent child tax credit. They don't know why the government so they like still throwing so they, money at them after the COVID pandemic. Okay, is gone. so they say they like six of the seven items and you say actually they don't like any of them they're just confused no i say this i bob you're not listening to what i'm saying i say they like them but it's they don't care that much about them yes the 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 direction of their affection is up but it is not a salient important issue to them well the important issues to feel- them are the economy inflation and COVID. that's what they say that would be the stop of the madness if they feel they like them then that doesn't seem to me a bill loaded with like, you know, uh, ready to ignite a stop the madness counter reaction. The, the, There's the nothing here they're mad the Democrats about. Democrats are, are making this incredible fuss over what the voters regard as second order issues. You know, if, 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 I, if I said, you know, I don't like your shirt and, and spend yeah. all my time trying to get you to change your shirt, that would be madness, even though I genuinely don't like your shirt. Okay, so the actual evidence we have is the poll results. You say they're misleading. Do you have any actual evidence for what you're saying? Well, we'll get the evidence when, when okay, Terry so the answer is no. clobbered in Virginia. Okay. Well, I think that'll be a misreading. Well, but Biden's as of now, you have- are falling steadily. I mean, there's that. Uh, well, yeah, the bill hasn't passed. It looks like the Democrats are in complete disarray. Of course they're falling. Right, but- then you have so there's no it. evidence now that you can cite to back up your point of view, well, and, the, unless we unless we take the fact that Terry McAuliffe, who said the stupidest thing you could say in a debate and got punished for it, and that started a downhill slide, is 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 in the midst of a downhill slide. Aside from that, which you're which you're putting this bizarre interpretation on, there's no evidence for your perspective at all. Right? Well, there's plenty, there's plenty of evidence, evidence showing that voters care most about the economy and COVID. And inflation. I mean, there's, there's, I've got that sort of, you're, you're, that sort of, there's so much polling evidence that it's sort of accepted. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I think. I'm not denying that, but you're saying that these things that they say they like actually are going, they, they consider madness. I, do you see any overwhelming, like, public push to Congress? You have to pass this social policy bill. No, there's not. What, what? Well, I think, first of all, I, I mean, it, it, they, they, they drop some things for reasons I don't understand that I think uh, nobody doesn't like pretty much, like I'm, free community college. I, I don't know why they I'm, drop that. A lot of go, people like it. I'm ready to go plank by plank and rate each provision up or down, Bob. Let's let's don't do that to our audience. But uh, well, I just, okay, so it just seems to me when we put in a lot of work, Bob. Uh, not on boring things. Not they, um Not on boring things. Uh, not work on boring things. You say, so, how could this be boring? You're saying the voters are demanding it. 
No, I just said they're fine with it. I, I just said I don't see the stop the madness uh, thing going on here. I, I, I don't. That's your interpretation. Is that yes? Uh, voters all over America want to stop the craziness embodied in this bill, even though they say they like six out of seven things. Okay. No, the craziness uh, isn't embodied in the bill. The craziness is. It's like you saying, why do I spend all my effort trashing the left? Why does Biden spend all his efforts on this bill that is a second order bill? It's not that we don't like the bill. It's the expenditure of the effort that is bothering us. The fact that, that he's fucking so, it up the you way he fucked so, up the withdrawal from Afghanistan that is, is the second point. That is the reaction of someone who's following this stuff obsessively, which you do as a journalist and almost nobody else does. They're not sitting there thinking, why is he spending so much? I mean, you're, you're just you're caught up in pundit world here. No, that's the reaction of voters who don't understand it, but say, why, why are they going on and on about this? I don't care about this. That's, it's, that's it's what exactly, you're saying is the exactly reaction. Wrong. It's, the, it's, the, it's the perspective of people who just see all this fuss and say, what's all this fuss? And about? you have and you have but you don't have evidence of that either. I'm just saying you're projecting you're projecting your own views on the electorate. Of here, course. And you're extrapolating wildly. But from a race in Virginia that I'm explaining uh, has how its it own dynamics. Work. I'm not sure it'll work, but as you know, I've gone back and forth as to whether this will have a Chernobyl-like effect. I'm saying why it might work and why Democrats might be worried that uh, that it would work. And the, 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 the upshot would be if it has this effect, they don't get either bill. So that, I mean, then, the funny they're, thing they're is completely that- completely fucked because they don't get either bill. That would the be funny the Chernobyl thing is, meltdown. The funny thing is that if there's going to be uh, you know, extrapolation from a McAuliffe loss, I would think uh, it would be about issues that aren't, so far as I know, directly implicated in this bill. You know, CRT, you know, are they teaching wokeness in our schools? All that stuff. That's what people are going to talk about if McAuliffe loses. They're not going to, uh, you know, be talking about uh, parental leave. They're not going to say Terry McAuliffe lost because he favors parental leave. Nobody's going to say that but you. There's just going to be a generalized freakout. That would be the argument. It's in. It, the, it's not just me. It's in Punchbowl AM, Bob. It's it, it's it's this is uh this is half halfway to being conventional wisdom, and that's why it happened because Pelosi believes it too, and they're worried about it. What's your explanation for why they did this ridiculous routine uh, this week? Well, uh, they have the problem of having only 50 votes in the Senate and two of them are people who shouldn't be Democrats. That's the but problem. But they didn't have to I mean, make, they didn't have to make a big effort for the hard infrastructure bill this week. They could have just done nothing. They could have well, I assume it's a desperation measure. I assume Pelosi thought it would work. She's it's the well, second time she's she tried it, right? She has plenty of time. She could wait until after the Virginia governor's race. And the answer is cuz she was worried about the Virginia's governor's race. No, you know, Biden very much wanted to have the climate stuff before he left for Glasgow. Oh, there was that on. push coming from the White House. What? What? That's that's talk about a second order issue. I mean, he could say, oh, yeah, we got that. We're going to pass it next month. You know, well, I mean, you know, you're citing mainstream reporting. Everybody's reporting what I just said. Uh, well, the, the Democrats are putting that out. I don't I'm. You don't think it makes you? I, know, I don't you think, don't think it, it makes. I, don't, I think the world leaders get together and they don't. Are they going to say? And you can't even pass your climate thing through Congress. I mean, I don't think. That's yeah, it. absolutely. That is. Yeah, that is what he was worried about, mm -hmm. and I totally get why. I mean, he wants to uh, turn this into a success, you know. And in theory, I mean, remember, 
like Xi Jinping's not going to be there. I don't think Putin's going to be there. Uh, and so if he doesn't, if he doesn't shine, it's kind of a, it's kind of a pretty embarrassing because those guys didn't even show up. Um, so and that he, makes he, it even less important that he comes armed with a, with a infrastructure bill because they're not going to no, be there. No, no. It puts pressure on him to show that even without them. I mean, remember, they are, I think Xi Jinping is, by not showing up, is saying, look, if you keep hectoring us about issues we consider internal issues uh, and not our external behavior toward the world, um, you know, we're not going to play ball. And uh, I, so I think uh, he very much needs to show them that even if you don't play ball, I can turn this into a stage that I triumph on. What's wrong with that argument? You're doing exactly the same thing that the, that, uh, that the neocons that you're doing? and the blob well, always does, which is the U.S. must assert itself on the world stage. We must shine on the world stage. That, that's always like half bullshit. I'm not, uh, Mickey, I'm not saying that. You don't have to shine that. on the world I'm, stage. Mickey, I'm saying he's thinking that, and he is in the blob, so it makes sense that he's been thinking would yeah. be thinking that. It, that that's a. It, it is possible that he takes this global warming bullshit seriously. But oh, he totally wants this to. Be, it's a it's it's a trip abroad. He wants this to be a big success. Um, it will be embarrassing for him. You will see a lot of coverage of how embarrassing it is. Well, okay, well that's a possible alternative explanation for the insanity. Uh, but um, I like. My I also think better. that. I also think they probably fear just loss of momentum, and rightly so. You know, they're very, very close. They've got how many? Do they have two thousand page agreement? Yep. But it, I mean, it's twenty five hundred. But it's not. It's <laughs> I, they produced a framework and then part of the text. So I don't quite know what they produced. But it's obvious they, there are whole issues that haven't been resolved yet. So it's obviously not done. Uh, okay, but here's by the way. Here's what I heard. Tell me if this is true. Uh, John Harwood, noted reporter. Is he still at the Wall Street Journal? He, anyway. I think he's at the, the New York Times and CBS. Maybe just CBS. Okay. Anyway, um, he tweeted yesterday, if Senators Manchin and Sinema were, or late last night, if Senators Manchin and Sinema were willing this morning to explicitly embrace the framework, that is this epic thing, that had been tailored to their specifications, the bipartisan infrastructure bill would have passed tonight. For whatever reason, they simply weren't. It wasn't about the House progressives. So he's got a theory that where, you know, I guess Nancy uh, Pelosi scheduled the vote thinking she could win. And Manchin and Cinema. I don't know how abjectly they want progressives to surrender, but apparently even more abjectly than they've already surrendered. Well, the, um, and that's his interpretation. Well, the progressives What's wrong just with saw that? through the bullshit. I don't blame the progressives in the sense that Pelosi was trying to snow them and they didn't want to play kabuki. They actually wanted to play reality. And uh, and they saw that if Cinema and Manchin say we approve the framework, but the framework isn't negotiated, does it have a Medicaid expansion or Medicare expansion or not? What does it mean when they say they support Wait, it? I, I want to be clear. Harwood is saying Manchin and Cinema refused to endorse the framework. That's his explanation. He's saying it had nothing to do with the progressive. But I'm saying it's it's crazy. Even if they had endorsed the framework. Uh, the the progressives were rightly uh, paranoid that that doesn't mean anything because the framework is not finished yet. What if they have a dispute over Medicare? Uh, you know what does it what does it mean to say I endorse the framework? It, it's and 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 once the once the progressives pass the soft the hard infrastructure bill, 
they lose their leverage in the dispute over Medicare. So why would they want to do that, even if Manchin and Cinema said we support the framework? Uh, it it well, uh, it's conjectural. I mean, it, if Mansion and Cinema didn't support the, the framework from this onslaught of abuse they're getting, which is unfair, I agree. They, well, but wait, I mean, he. So you agree that Mansion and Cinema did refuse to endorse the framework? Yeah, they issued wish and Bernie Sanders refused to endorse the framework. Every there was it was a completely premature. And the question is, was it just because Biden? Keep in mind, you know, was it just because Biden wanted somebody to take the Glasgow that he? made yeah. this embarrassing trip to the to the hill and that they, they put this thing before the house that they sort of knew wasn't going to pass and they tried to snow them uh and and, and but then Biden in the end didn't even ask for their vote it's it, it was all a very bizarre performance well i think a big part of the story here is that i mean basically first of all this whole escapade looks like legislation used to look when it was a case of bipartisan agreement, you get, you know, you get all this public, you introduce it, you modify it, blah, 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 blah. What's weird about this is that it's, it's gone on this long. It's epic. They're still not on the same page and it's all intra-party. That's what's unusual about this. And I, I, I just think, you know, people talk about the breakdown of trust between red and blue. Well, there's a breakdown of trust uh, within the Democratic Party, between uh, progressives and moderates, although there aren't that many moderates, maybe, but, but, uh, and that's why, you know, I mean, shit, if you've got 2,500 pages in writing and, and you can't, you know, come to an agreement, you don't have enough trust in the, in the, in the word of one another, in, in the commitments of one another to just kind of talk out the rest and agree to it. That's new. That's new. There used to be, just more trust among legislators, especially within the same party, but even between parties. Uh, if the tri the tribalism is getting more and more fine, I'm not sure it's. I, they, I, I, there's there's certainly a little bit of that that's true, but the difference is this is you know I, the, the the debate I watched closely was the welfare reform debate, okay, and that took a couple of months and it had backs and forces and people shifting coalitions and. You know, people on the left tried to make the push the bill to the right so that it wouldn't pass. You know, it's like it was all sorts of crazy stuff. But the difference between this is because it's because reconciliation is now the only way to get around the filibuster. This is like 10 welfare reform bills. They they, they don't usually try something this big. Uh, and and it's very unwieldy. And so it, it, it you knew it was going to take a long time. Uh, but the question is, why don't they let it take a long time? Why do they have to keep trying to jam it down the throat of the progressives? And my explanation is they're worried about Virginia. Your explanation it's already, is it's already Alaska. been it's already be, it's already been a long time, and I think there is such a thing as loss of momentum, and they do have to keep moving forward. And I think uh, Glasgow has a lot to do with it. It could look, it could it could well be that there's uh, well, I would say, look, I would say. There's another kind of connection it could have to the Virginia election is that they want to give this to Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. That, he'll, he'll be a Democrat. He'll be part of a party that gets things done. Right. That makes sense. No, that, that makes was, sense to me. That was that was part of what I was what I meant. They want to help McAuliffe and just because and they like McAuliffe because he's a Democrat. But they're also worried that if he loses, it'll be Chernobyl. No, wait. I think these two explanations are at odds. If you're saying you're saying on the one hand, you just agreed with me that it would Passing this bill would be an asset for McAuliffe. Well, they thought and yet, that. I agree that and they yet that. the reason if he loses, it'll be because everybody wants to stop the madness in this bill. 
So the voters will like this bill if it's passed. What I don't get it. Do they hate it or do they like it? Which they is like it? the hard bill and they don't like the soft bill. The hard bill is the one. Uh, the hard bill is the one they give to McAuliffe to pass. The the madness is the soft bill. So the, so their plan was to pass the hard bill yeah. and not pass the soft bill before Tuesday. The only reason they well they, she made noises that they were going to pass them both simultaneously, but that was insane, and uh, that was just to get the progressives to pass the hard bill. Uh, so yes, that the what. So um, well, they, I certainly buy they, they the one theory to help is McAuliffe, and one of the reasons they wanted to help McAuliffe is because they're a little worried that if he loses big, everything will fall apart. Well, I could kind of see that they want to use hard infrastructure to help him win, and they think his winning will help soft infrastructure. Yeah, and his losing would okay, but okay, his but I can severely I, I, damage soft infrastructure. That makes sense to me, but I I don't I I don't. I think I'm buying, I'm still not buying. I don't think I have to buy the stop to madness hypothesis for that to make sense to me. But anyway, um, um, well, it's the only way, it's the only way to analogize it to Cantor because Cantor, it specifically was about immigration. And this is not specifically about uh, build back better. Uh, so I have well, to, we certainly, to gauzy, gauzy certainly mustn't abandon any beliefs that are vital to analogizing it with cancer. We can't let go of that analogy. So right. whatever you just tell me what I have to believe for that analogy to work. And I will, I will <laughs> you know, profess uh, commitment but I think, to it. But like I say, it's not just me. There are a lot of people in Washington who think that McAuliffe's loss, if that happens, might be a disaster for Biden. I don't quite understand it, but there are people who think that. And, so anyway, uh, we have reached, we have peace in our time. You and I agree that the election Tuesday is related to what's going on here. Um, you, you, yeah. You don't want to go provision by provision? It's so exciting. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. No, please. We, we have the- No moss, no moss. We have the child tax credit, which is a disaster. We have uh, the uh, community college thing, which is dead. We have the parental leave, which is a disaster and dead. Uh, which is the the, uh, the community college thing? Your your pet thing was apparently killed by the four year colleges who ganged up against it. Elites once again, elites ganging up against, and that's no joke. That's no joke. This is elites but subverting the interests of the common. That's what everybody says. But why would the four year colleges hate the community colleges? Well, do you so you don't think the four year college has killed it, or you just don't? No, that's what it says. But why? But I don't quite understand the rationale. Is it there's a certain customer? I I assume the the four year colleges think we're so elite that we would never have those crappy students to go to community colleges. No, there's such a broad spectrum of four year colleges. There's four year colleges whose that are you know in terms of the education you get are barely distinguishable from community colleges. I mean, uh. And they, yeah, they feel comp- there's a lot of competition. I mean, uh, and if, if if you can go to two years of college for free, that's that's a competitive threat to to colleges that want to charge you. Okay. Sure. Um, I guess that's right. Thank you for answering my question. The uh, um, the one interesting thing, two interesting things, two of these, at least two of these planks were savagely and and persuasively attacked by the left. So we are going through all seven. No, How long no, have we been I'm, doing? I'm, I'm short circuiting it here. Okay. And 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 David Dian of the American Prospect, uh, uh, 
who writes very sort of he he does the homework and he writes very intelligently and in nuanced fashion about these provisions wrote an op-ed for the New York Times saying this this is a disaster because you know you could have simple things we want things like the child tax credit where the government just sends you money simple no strings attached instead we have things like the parental leave program where you have to first find out if your employer provides parental leave and then apply to your state and then if that doesn't work you apply to the feds and it was like basically if you could apply for parental leave you would be eligible for a salary three times what what you what you'd be getting so uh it, that's all well and good but of course the classic he he proposes a, a test of simplicity the classic plan that failed that simplicity test is obamacare way too complicated uh, it divides the country into three tiers. There's the, at the bottom, there's the Medicaid tier. At the top, there are people with private insurance. And in the middle, there are people in the Obamacare exchanges. And in the Obamacare exchanges, there are 57 different options, red, gold, blue, silver. And you have to change every year if you want if you want to you know, keep the cheapest option. It's a complete madhouse, to use that word again. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, sometimes the Democrats feel and it's still alive. The people haven't revolted against it. So, you know, that, that seems like a big exception to the Diane rule. Okay. Such a powerful point here. You reduce the silence. How many more do we have to go? I just, I'll stop now. I'll go. I'll, I'll do whatever exciting topic you want to bring up. Well, let's see. We've got uh, COVID. We've got, um, I don't have that many things. We could, we could, if we run out of things, we could, we could revert to the, the details of this legislation. You um, but, uh, there's something I don't understand. So there was, so on, on the COVID front, there was a piece in Vanity Fair about a week ago. And, and, and this was reported elsewhere saying this has to do with the lab leak hypothesis. Okay. So, you know. The EcoHealth Alliance you're familiar with, the this villain. is this, they are in some scenarios, the villains. They are, it's a group that they had gotten a grant. They were involved in research in the Wuhan lab. They had gotten grants from the U.S. government related to that and so on. And they, uh, the leader uh, of, of the, the alliance, who I think is Australian or something, had led the charge uh, against the lab leak hypothesis uh, and and not been totally transparent, I think, about their interests, although maybe it was a matter of public record. But, you know, that included like writing a, a letter to Lancet, the medical journal, saying we stand by our colleagues. And by the way, they used an exclamation mark there, which is a weird thing in a letter to a to a medical journal. We stand by our colleagues, exclamation mark, exclamation point. They were not using it, ironically. That was earnest. Um, and so now they're reporting as news, and I guess it is in some sense, uh, news that the Alliance had done an experiment, uh, that increased the, uh, contagiousness of a bat virus. It, it, it turns out this couldn't be the COVID virus. Um, and NIH is now acting as if, uh, EcoHealth Alliance failed to report this to them. And so uh, 
for that reason, you can say that Tony Fauci wasn't being misleading in his famous uh, standoff with Rand Paul. Remember when he says, you know, you remember the standoff? But well, the funny thing is, I think if you if you look at what Fauci said, so Rand Paul was saying this was gain of function uh, research that you supported. And Fauci says, uh, no, it was not. Uh, This was vetted by experts to determine whether it was gain of function research. Um, And it wasn't. And now now they're reporting that, uh, well, uh, this research did have the effect. It it did alter the genome uh, and and had the effect of increasing the virulence or or the the contagiousness. I I think if you look closely at the exchange between Rand Paul and Fauci, that was all acknowledged. The way the exchange goes is Rand Paul says, so you're saying they could do research they could change the genes in a way that increases the transmissibility of the virus, and that's not gain-of-function research? And Fauci says, yes. He says, that is what I'm saying. What would, it's a quick, what would be gain-of-function yeah. research? Well, that's the thing. Is I, I think what's happened here is that um, the, uh, y- you know, because gain-of-function research, uh, gain research was, was, was banned, I think, NIH because they wanted to continue to fund some stuff that was remarkably like it, came up with this very narrow definition of gain-of-function research. And that's why Fauci says, you know, our experts have vetted this. They said it's not gain-of-function. Well, that's because they're working with such a narrow definition of gain-of-function. That's what everybody said after the hearing. So what's new about about this? That's what I'm asking. What is new? There is something new because uh, the NIH uh, actually released a letter as if there's something new saying, well, the EcoHealth Alliance did do this thing, but they failed to report it to us. So they're, they're now trying to pass the buck onto the EcoHealth Alliance. But this is a new development. The other thing is in a way more interesting that I heard, and maybe other people already knew it, but I heard it on a podcast with some Intercept reporters, which was, you know, it's, it's related to the lab leak hypothesis, um, which is that the... Uh, you know, uh, David Baltimore, this eminent, if if probably by now kind of elderly uh, figure in molecular biology, said he saw this one sequence in the COVID uh, sequencing and said, this is the smoking gun. Uh, I forget what it's called, but but this is why he thought it had been genetically altered. There was this huge blowback about uh, people saying, well, it's a little unusual, but why on earth? Would you want to insert that if you were doing genetic engineering? What would the logic be? And at some point within the last few weeks, it's come out that there was a proposal to the NIH. And this may be what you were talking about a couple weeks ago. There was a proposal to the NIH to insert exactly that in, uh, in a bat virus. And the NIH turned them down, so it didn't happen. But the point is, the blowback Baltimore got seems less credible now. Uh, and the, the, and the, that's that. And, and I believe maybe that uh, application, by the way, came from EcoHealth, too, but I'm not sure. About right. That. And the thinking is just because the NIH turned him down doesn't mean it didn't happen. As somebody said, doesn't as one, mean it. So one of them said, if you if you uh, if you propose painting Central Park pink and I turn you down and the next week Central Park is suddenly painted pink, uh, you begin to think, well, maybe the person who proposed it actually 
uh, went ahead and did it anyway, you know? Yeah, and I think it, it, it makes it more credible that somebody did it, maybe without NIH right. funding. And maybe, in other words, there, there, there could have been logic behind inserting this thing right. that David Baltimore found right. very suspicious. But they, they want to get Fauci. It's sort of hilarious that Fauci, they're going to get him because he killed these beagles. Uh, I miss the beagles. Sorry? I miss I missed the Beagle story. What did he do? They they, they approved a some sort of grant where they took Beagles, sent them to Tunisia or some Middle Eastern country where they were drugged and some pest like sand flies killed them by eating their heads. Their heads were in encased in sort of glass and they the the bugs ate their heads. So uh this is pretty damn cruel. I've a I have a cancel worthy name for it. What is that? Bauschwitz. <laughs> B-O-W? It's, it's the um, a name I shall not utter again, but um, it's caused a lot I'm of- I'm not endorsing, by the way, I'm not endorsing that joke. But you okay, did laugh. Be clear. We were I watching you're, closely. You're, you're trivializing, you're, you're perilously close to trivializing one of the greatest atrocities in, in human history, but, um, and I don't think I laugh, I don't recall laughing, actually. Did I laugh? Uh. What, that was uh, yes, patronizing we, laughter. You're going to have to have your minions go back and erase that part of the tape because you definitely laughed. The, um, I was worried about your self-esteem, so I laughed to make you feel better. That's it. That's it. And you were worried about the, the governor's race in, in Virginia. Um, Speaking of which, I did watch part of Dave Chappelle. If we have time in the parrot room, we can discuss that. We do have a, a very special guest in the parrot room this week, so we may not um, have time. But uh, I haven't sent him a reminder, so I hope he shows up. Um, I'll send him a reminder in the break. Uh, we should tell people who he is, right? Well, it, what if he doesn't show up? Well, then we'll be humiliated. We'll tell him at the end. How about that? We'll tell him at the end. The, um, so now we have we have bait to stay until the end where we, we'll, where we will give them bait right. to go into the parrot room. Right. This is, um, this is genius. This is why we are ki the king of uh, the internet or podcasting or whatever we are. nested bait. Um, so... Uh, there are other things. Other things with COVID, it's been discovered that the you can be vaxxed and you can spread it just as easily as if you weren't vaxxed. And this uh, this sort of uh, makes more possible my nightmare scenario, which is vax people give it to other vax people, and and they don't get sick, but it does mutate, and eventually spreading around it mutates into something really horrible. Uh, I guess that's that threat is always oh, present. But wait. This is if you were vaxxed like eight months ago or if you were just vaxxed. Because I know it's somebody see, who, had, think, who, 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 within families, they discover that the viral load is as high and it spreads just as easily, although the people don't get sick and die. As well, well, my understanding is that, see, this is, I am resigning myself to getting a booster, but the only reason, I mean, I don't need one. It's been eight months since my Pfizer. I don't need a booster, I don't think, to shore up my uh you know insulation against death or hospitalization that is stays that stays pretty robust but i am now much more likely to get a version of the illness that doesn't kill me and therefore uh to to be able to transmit it and i'm only doing this cuz at thanksgiving i'm going to be uh in in the presence of a of a of an in-law in in their 90s and uh but i i i wouldn't do it otherwise so i mean my question is my understanding was that, you know, two, three, four months after vaccine, you are much less likely. I don't think to that's change. true. 
I think these I, really I think this study disproves specifically that. Yeah. The around here they give you a test for antibodies, and the, if your antibodies are robust, they don't give you a booster. By the way, the uh the death rate finally did start falling in America uh after a mysterious uh plateau. And 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 it's under under right. fifteen hundred uh, per day. Yeah. And in California it's falling smartly. The other the other thing is remember when I told you about Lovox? Well Lovox is Lovox has now been confirmed to be effective in some sort of study. Not a hundred percent effective, but if you if you can tolerate it and you can follow the instructions, two thirds effective, which is pretty good. It's treat it's treatment or prophylactic. It's a treatment. treatment? Lovox? Yeah. I'll be there. And it also cures OCD and depression. So it's like the only pill you need, Bob, or the only pill I need. Uh, OCD is not a big problem, but if it's an antidepressant, count me in. Um, the, um, by the way, the, the, the caseload now, our caseload has started to level off after dropping. So that's a little concerning. But death rate finally, finally falling, as, as you we would have expected it to be doing all along after after pause um, um yeah we have war with iran war with china steve bannon we? in july in january 6th that's a lot uh so now war with china there's one thing i meant to mention when we were discussing taiwan is we, we were talking about strategic ambiguity why should biden not say uh we're definitely going to defend taiwan in, in a way, the chief reason is saying that, it, by one reckoning, saying that makes it more likely that China will invade Taiwan. Because, you know, we don't like to think of so-called autocrats as being under popular pressure, but they always are. And there's a lot of popular sentiment in mainland China for the idea that Taiwan's part of China and that its ultimate destiny is to be reintegrated into China. And, and there is... The argument that the more, uh, you know, kind of posturing the U.S. does or anybody does about you can't have Taiwan and you never will, the more pressure there is on Xi Jinping to do something. So that that's just an argument I failed to mention about why it might be counterproductive for Biden to say the thing that he said, I think, mistakenly. But uh, and in general, for, you know, like for us to. Uh, do various other uh, other things that, uh, yeah. Did you read Brett Stevens's column on our eroding global position? No. It was, but I I can guess. You could guess, and he, the problem he's is he's against it. It's fairly it's fairly predictable, but it's it's like quite a litany of like, you know, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, uh, Iran. We're letting them get away with various things. One of them is a is the drone attack in Syria doesn't he doesn't question why we're in Wait, Syria? Wait, what in the first dr- what place, drone attack? What drone attack? There in was some Syria? drone attack on an American training base that we have yet to retaliate for. Uh, and anyway, it, it's it, it it was a plea for like let bring the it was a it was basically an attack on Blinken, although it didn't name him. It sort of said we need the grown ups like Bob Gates back in charge. Uh, enough with these amateurs. Uh, I think Brett Stevens in his heart wants more than Bob Gates. Uh, true. Uh, but anyway, I, I, it, it made me think that, yes, we've 
we've been in situations like this before, and the 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 reaction of the president has been some gratuitous show of force, like invading Grenada or the Mayaguez attack that Ford did after we pulled out of I think it was after we pulled out of Vietnam to show that yeah we can take over an oil tanker, damn it, uh, and that's usually done the job. So I don't think I don't think. Uh, it's all that big a deal, but um, a, a a a small gratuitous show of force would is probably something I might endorse if it would do the job. Yeah, um, you know there was uh, there was a piece in the Nation by Trita Parsi and a couple of other people who said Biden should seize the momentum from the withdrawal from from Afghanistan and go ahead and get troops out of uh, Syria and Iraq, arguing that a He's now kind of paid the political cost he's going to pay. And B, um, you know, th this basically these things have good effects that you get out of Afghanistan and now stabilizing Afghanistan is the job of like, you know, China and Pakistan, and whoever else. And and God bless you. Good luck. Um, and and you, you uh, reduce our presence in the Middle East and it makes Iran and Saudi Arabia more likely to come to terms with the fact that they have a joint interest in in stabilizing the region, uh, and there are at least some signs of that. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good argument. Do you um uh, do you think Biden actually wants to get out of Syria? I doubt he thinks about it much. I I, I don't know. I mean I mean um, you know it's 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 a, it's one of these plainly illegal you know in terms of international law things. Uh, we're, we're there without the permission of the government. Um, I mean, I think he does want to get out of Iraq, but I just you're, you're sort of saying, why doesn't he go ahead with it? Well, because he's never thought about going ahead with it. Well, I mean, there are complications. I, I mean, you know, it's tempting to stay there because uh, we, we, this is some of the richest part of Syria. I, I don't know exactly how, how the oil revenues flow there, but they're flowing to somebody other than the Syrian government. And I guess we still have hopes of I don't know, toppling the government. I have no idea why anybody would think that's a good idea at this point. Um, and then there's this ticklish issue with the Kurds, uh, you know, whether their security uh, would be uh, jeopardized. You know, there are these transitional questions. Um, I, I don't know if it's uh, on, on Biden's mind, but, you know, uh, this is not. Uh, I don't know. And then there's the, the uh, you know, the Israel stuff. Uh, we're, we're, um, you know, Israel's done a couple of things lately that in theory could draw, uh, chastisement from the U S government. And I think the U S did protest one of them, uh, very big housing settlement, thousands of units in the West bank. Uh, also they, uh, they outlawed Israel outlawed 10 Palestinian, uh, civil society organizations, um, that I think for the most part focus on human rights anyway and that drew the censure of the of the human rights community all the all the all the big human rights ngos um but meanwhile we are uh doing israel's bidding for it with saudi arabia apparently biden is working hard to muscle saudi arabia into joining the abraham accords and god knows what we have to i mean remember we have to give things to saudi arabia to make that happen like say okay you can keep killing people in yemen or something or you can keep uh, torturing Saudis. You can do this. You can do that. I mean, this comes at a cost, and and uh, and and that's you know one of the big frustrations on the progressive side, um, is that Israel is doing these things that you would think 
uh, would make life harder for the Biden administration, right. to, like the two things I just said. And meanwhile, the Biden administration is compliantly, uh, you know, doing what Israel wants with Saudi Arabia. And I would say it with Iran from the beginning, I don't know if it was to please Israel, but the, the Biden administration's failure to seriously pursue restoring the nuclear deal from the beginning has certainly met with satisfaction. Has certainly met with Israeli satisfaction. Yeah. Who? I thought they did seriously pursue it. They just didn't get it done. You don't think? They no, they never said. They never said. Why don't we just restore the deal? We had a deal. Trump withdrew. Let's just restore the deal. That 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 might have done wonders. Hmm. Biden administration never said that. Never. They said. They said. You know, we've got these other things we want that have nothing to do with you know with the deal. I I listened to. Uh... I read bit a bit of your dialogue with that guy who was in the blob. Tom Wright. Tom Wright. And no you were, relation. You were talking about, um, yes, everybody in the blob is sort of acting in good faith. And I think you agreed with that, but they can, it can still produce perverse results. And I'm sure that's true, but isn't it possible that some dominant ideologies, people could not be acting in good faith, but they could be acting cynically because that's just what you have to do to get ahead and go along? And I'm thinking of communism toward the end. It seems to be the nomenclature were totally cynical about the communist enterprise toward the end in many countries. Uh, and it was just a way to like feed your family. And also the U.S. engagement in Vietnam, apparently, toward the end, nobody really believed in it. It was just, you know, you, you did your time and you got home safely, in theory. Um, uh, and I guess the blob isn't, that bad, but isn't it possible it could become that bad? Well, I mean, you know, are there people who, I'm not saying these people never profess to believe things they don't in their heart believe. I'm saying, I mean, most people do that. I think we, you know, most people act, act as if they believe things that they don't you know, they make noises to please this crowd or that or to get this objective of that or that. I'm just saying that almost everyone in the blob, I think, when they do that, feels in their heart uh, it is justified by their larger goal, which they believe is a good goal. Right. I, I mean, I, guess I mean, it's not like like when I was just saying that, you know, uh, in some realms, we seem to be uh, doing um doing Israel's bidding in, in the Middle East. But I don't think, I don't, I don't think people, anyone who is, if you look at where the political pressure for that comes from, I don't think it comes from people who say, well, I want to subvert American foreign policy. I think it comes from people who uh, think right. Israel is, no, you know, it's a noble I, cause I, and it's truly endangered and so I, on. And, and that's the way people generally right. are. I understand. My question is, have we ever had an ideology and do we ever have to worry that we'd have a dominant ideology where people actually didn't believe it, where where in their heart you know, of hearts, I, I think that can happen. Hearts, I mean, they realized it was bullshit, and they went ahead and implemented it anyway for careerist reasons. And I'm trying to think of areas where that has happened, where the dominant ideology has just been uh, nobody really believed it, and I'm I'm coming up blank. Well, eh, it's kind of a question of degrees. I, I mean, one thing though, I would say on, on this line is, I would say. Many, if not most people who agree with me on foreign policy and are anti-blob use the term empire a lot to talk about U.S. foreign policy aspirations. 
I don't use it because although we America has a kind of de facto neo, you know, neo empire, it's not an old fashioned empire. We actually run all these countries, but you can say it's kind of imperial in effect. But I don't think many people responsible for the policy actually have that as a conscious goal. Right. And, and, and it's a mistake. You know, it's great for getting Twitter followers to say that they do, but I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a mistake I, that handicaps you when you try to do something I, about it. I guess um, American policy toward Cuba, the official American policy was a little like what I am talking about because the State Department obviously didn't really believe it. Everybody just assumed it was done to placate the crazy uh, Cubans in Miami. Uh, and uh, so. Oh, well, yeah, be, but. That would be but, an example of a policy yeah. nobody really believed. Well, but the Cubans believe it. I, I mean, the places the pressure come from, you know, the people who apply the ultimate pressure, the ultimate lobbying pressure. I mean, there's all kinds of people involved in that who don't hold the sincere belief. Like the lobbyists themselves, maybe right. right? Who are hired? And I guess, but the Cubans believe they're they're on the side yeah. of right. The Cubans in, in in Florida. And I guess I think I think uh, obeisance to Trump is another one where at least half the people who do it think it's bullshit, but they have to do it in order to do their other things. I don't. Right, right. I mean, exactly. I mean, Mitch McConnell tells himself that ultimately he is serving. Good. No, no. Mitch McConnell is, is has broken with Trump. He he doesn't debate him at all. That he's a bad example. Uh, there's things. There, there's he's, things he believes. Well, for a long time he wouldn't cross him, and there are lots of things he believes about him that he still won't say. Um, he he did, but there was a break. Uh, relatively speaking, but he doesn't he doesn't talk about it much. Um, he actually so, pisses on Trump with some regularity. I, I, so what there, else did you? There's, yeah, I have so, I have something to talk about about Trump, but uh, maybe it's something for later about uh, whether there is a character on the American scene who can actually fill the role that you suggested uh, it was one way to get Trump, which is uh, have somebody run against him not from the left of the Republican Party, but from even crazier on the right, and say Trump isn't the real. Trump is a milk toast. He doesn't believe in He's replacement theory. I really believe in replacement theory, and and that would like cripple him. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I have a candidate, but of course, be careful what you wish for. But who is the candidate? Tucker. He's setting himself up as as the Zemmour. Yeah, but that's what Zemmour is the that's guy what in France I mean. who's running to Le Pen's right and doing her tremendous damage. Tucker is setting himself up to be the Zemmour of the United States. Should he want to run? It would be hard to break from Trump at Fox News, but he Tucker may be bigger than Fox News at some point. Yeah, but he could, in principle, win. That's a that's a be careful and what you wish for. That I mean, wouldn't my ideal because I know him, and I don't think he's that bad. Uh oh, I think he's just. I I I I, I don't trust that guy. I, I he seems to be pretty much without principles. I didn't say you should trust him. He he, he does have principles, but. Trust is not a word I would use. What wouldn't he do? What wouldn't Tucker Carlson do? Well, there are a lot of things he wouldn't do. He's, 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 you know, he has a pretty well-developed ideology and he's a patriot and he's not going to, not going to surrender, uh, you know, surrender Florida to China, California, maybe, but not Florida. Um, that's, that's your big concern about, uh, we need to worry about a president 
who's not sufficiently tough on foreign countries. No, that's, you, that's I was just that's groping, not what I'm. I was about. groping for examples. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's where you have to look if you want to look for something you wouldn't do. No, because he's he's actually he's actually fairly anti-interventionist now. He's with you, Bob. You're, yeah, you're strange so bedfellow. So he says, uh, and he may be, but that yeah, that that's not my concern either. He he's just he's he, he you know we, we've had this argument. It, it's boring. Uh, I just think he he would he would do anything. He 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 would you know he would do anything. Um, um one of us has yeah, worked yeah, for so, it. Let's put it that way. Uh, one of us is one of us quit in in protest of him. That's why I say don't trust him. Uh oh, so we're on the same page. You don't trust him. I don't trust him. But I don't. What are we he, he's about? a crappy manager, but I just think they're in in terms of his policies, they're. They're not in. Well, no, you were complaining about his his corruption, his lack of journalistic integrity. You were complaining that he laid down a policy that nobody at the Daily Caller was allowed to criticize Fox News because he wanted to be in their good graces. That's a corrupt journalism, a lack of integrity. You you admirably quit. Well, his his it wasn't point his is management. He, he, it wasn't his management. His point is that you know he was clear about it because uh, he worked for Fox that you couldn't criticize Fox. Unfortunately, he, he was he failed to convey that to me. When I signed up, uh, so, but there were other people on the staff who claimed that they knew about this rule. So, it, well, the main, I've always said the main thing is that you be honest about your lack of integrity. Well, it's like Mike and, Kinsley and said, I admire that. Gonna, in we're man. not going to attack Microsoft here at Slate when Slate was owned at Microsoft. If you draw a clear boundary around an area, that's better than if it's vague and mushy and nobody knows whether you're going to pull your punches against Microsoft. If you say, look, sorry, they own us. We're not going to attack them. Don't expect it from us. Uh, that's, that's sort of better than being vague about it. Speaking of Microsoft, do you know what the new name of Facebook is? Um, they, they turned down my offer. I offered to sell them. Uh, what did I offer? Kals files. Them? You, you offered them the name Kals files. No, I offered the name. It was like Trollsville. I offered them Trollsville, which I own. Actually, actually my newsletter name would be great for them. Non-zero because they could continue to present pretend that they're that zuckerberg's in this to help everybody it's win-win anyway no they're, they're they're changing the name to meta platforms you know what that's a reference to meta platforms yeah m-e-t-a not m-e-t-t-a that that m-e-t-t-a is the poly word for loving kindness that's what ron artest had in mind when he changed his name to meta world peace he has two t's in his meta yes Maybe we should start a better with three T's and then we can make it whatever we want. You read my mind. But this is That's a, where this is all heading, Mickey. The, uh, no. I thought we should do something that implied we they're meta, we're imminent, we're we're subterranean, we're we're like, you know, we're all under the surface and not transcending anything. Uh but I couldn't come up with you know, a word other than sub, which is has too many meanings. Sub meta. Submeta world peace. You know what? Uh, um, this is a reference to though the metaverse, right? The, the metaverse. And here's my question. Uh, so the metaverse is apparently this. You know, he, he envisions a future where we're basically living in. It's a kind of virtual reality, but it's interactive. So you and I right now, it would really seem like we're like sitting down and having coffee. Like I would see you, and you would seem to be right there. You'd be having coffee. You know, 
using the virtual reality shit. And of course, they bought, Facebook bought Oculus years and years ago. And I think this was his vision then. Um, and maybe I'm a little wrong about his vision now, but I think that captures some of it. But here's the uh, an obscure point I would like to make. So metaverse is, I guess, replacing cyberspace in, in his, his scenario. But if I recall correctly, if you look at the original, so metaverse comes from a Neil Stevenson science fiction novel, I think, maybe Snow Crash or something. And cyberspace came uh, from a William Gibson science fiction novel, Neuromancer. And the irony is, if you read Neuromancer, as I recall, cyberspace is the metaverse. It's, it's like he's talking about a virtual reality in Neuromancer that was really not at all like what has been called cyberspace for low these many years. I, th I always thought cyberspace was heading for the, what he calls the metaverse. I, I don't see what's actually so new about it. What, haven't there been like SimCity and various, you know, reality 2.0 uh, attempts to turn cyberspace into what Zuckerberg would call the metaverse? Yeah. Yeah, and Second Life. Yeah. I mean, I think he basically just needs a rebranding, but I do think this is uh, where he wants to head. And when you look at it, he's got the tools. Oculus has what is by consensus the best virtual reality headset now. Um, he owns Facebook. He owns Instagram. He owns WhatsApp. I mean, he is the leading candidate to be emperor of the metaverse, and I don't want to live in a metaverse that Mark Zuckerberg is the emperor. Good point. There's going to be a huge uh, reaction against living in the metaverse, a sort of back to reality movement where people somehow chew computers and grow their own food. And I mean, it's already happening, but uh, you want to, Bob, you want to be the head of that movement. You want, you want to. No, I want to be the head of the metaverse. I, I want, I want Mark Z Zuckerberg to be relegated to farming a small plot of land which after climate change gets no water. That's, that's what I want. And I ain't giving up. I think your chances of leading the opposition to the metaverse, the resistance Are to the better. metaverse. I assume they, this but dystopian I, movie has already been made five times. It actually... Pe people getting their child tax credit and, and wandering around in these Oculus masks, bumping into the walls and not caring because they're so happy in the metaverse. I'm not sure it's been done. I think maybe you should do it. I, I think you should write the book and I should be the actual emperor of the real I metaverse. I think I saw it on cable real. very late at night. Um, so that's my tech news update. Uh, we, should start, we should start an alternative vision called the Degressiverse, where it, <laughs> where start, it starts as a coherent conversation and then degresses so much that it approaches the state of entropy. That would be us. But Mickey, you know how long we've been talking? I think we've been talking an hour and two minutes. Correct, you are. Um, you know what that means? That means if you've got any short items, you should stick them in. I've got one short one. Uh, go ahead. Mine is God Bless Louis Deckmar. Who? D-E-K-M-A-R. God Bless Louis Deckmar, police chief of LaGrange, Georgia, which is not the LaGrange mentioned by ZZ Top in their song. Uh, that's in Texas, I think. Anyway, um, I have been saying for some time, like, why don't cops ever say in this situation, I'm just going to shoot to stop, not to kill. I'm going to shoot at his legs or something. And Dekmar has this police chief 
has created a big controversy by proposing that, apparently, a shoot to incapacitate policy. Everybody, every time that's proposed, you're like ridiculed by by the gun toting right. Anybody with a gun knows that that's futile, that it's a good way to die. Well, if the person's got a gun, uh, I mean, it depends on what the person has. Like, like if somebody's, the, you see all the time, these people with knives and the cops like hit them in the chest. If they've got a knife, I think if you just kind of slow them down, you're in good shape, unless you yourself are in super bad shape. I mean, you know, it, there's, there's kind of no distinction. If he, and if he had like a, a shoot for the genitals policy, that would be both humane and terrifying. Humane? Uh, I, I, not so sure. Terrifying. They would live. Anyway, Look, I've got a telemarketer. It's a, it's a third way solution, it Bob. It says, it says telemarketer on my phone. It's, it's it put them on speakerphone. It's, it's really your mother. Um, no, um, it's, um, they, it's, it's a third way solution, Bob. Hi, it's Vanessa there. Vanessa? No, there's not Hi, a Van Vanessa there. Vanessa who? Do you have a last name? Or just would any Vanessa do? Okay. That was it. I, that's a strange form of telemarketer. There, there are all these telemarketers that are now pre-recorded, and I could, I wonder if they work at all. Are you really supposed to have an hour-long conversation where they've anticipated every answer you're going to give, and you don't rec realize don't know, that the person you're talking, the jovial guy who's asking you to contribute to the policeman's benevolent fund is, in fact, a robot? It's a good question. That sounded a little robotic. Vanessa's friend. Um, um, I'm not so sure I have your, a little uh, one. Well, say a big one really fast. No, I have... Um, uh, or, or, or say it and we'll save it for the parrot room. Well, there's, a, there's, a, Steve, there's a Steve Bannon's role in the, the, um, the January 6th and, uh, events, and I concede, I've, I've finally gotten my mind to concede that, yes, if Steve Bannon were directing insurrectionists to be violent and he told Trump on the phone, he was talking to Trump, yes, uh, uh, you know, yes, we are going to take out Pelosi and Pence and then we're going to install you as president. That would be treason and, and a horrible thing. And if Trump was a party to it, uh, then, then, you know, he would be guilty of all those things, too. But there's no evidence that that's actually what happened. And in fact, the evidence that Bob Woodward trotted out this week was uh, went the other way. I mean, Woodward suddenly said, he said, we have all the dots in my book. We just didn't forget it. We just didn't connect them. Well, let me connect them for you. Here are six conspiracy points between Bannon and Trump. And one of them was Bannon saying, uh, yes, we're going to tarnish the, the Biden presidency from the start. Okay. But that's exculpatory because he assumes there will be a Biden presidency, whereas supposedly the idea was he was going to prevent a Biden presidency by force. So if that's the best evidence they have against Bannon, they don't have any evidence. Um, okay, I talked about that at some length last time, I think. Uh, and I don't think they'll get quite the smoking gun that in the extreme case you would hope for. <laughs> no. Um, I, 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 uh, so I kind of agree, but I, I think he was very complicit. Uh, but we can talk about that in the parrot room if you want. We can well, talk about that. But he was complicit in what is the question? Yeah. Well, I did my version of that either last week or the week before, what he was complicit in. 
Um, and I'm willing to talk more about it in the Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room. Do you have other things? Well, Bob, you notice I'm dressed somewhat formally You're today. Yeah. Wait, we had no opening shtick. Did we have opening? Sh is that your opening shtick? It's that a little late. Shtick. Oh, right. That was good. I ordered a magician's it led to, hat, it led to a, a, it didn't arrive, and B, Pelosi wasn't a magician, so wouldn't have worked anyway. Uh, and then I had a fairy wand coming, and that was going to symbolize make-believe, but the, the make-believe didn't work either. The progressives, did, ordered the progressives all this didn't fall for the make-believe. So, so wait, you mean our, our opening stick fell prior to supply chain issues? You ordered these things, and they haven't gotten there? No, I ordered them last night, and they <laughs> weren't supposed to arrive till today. So they're probably going to arrive uh, this evening. But anyway, yeah. they were. Uh, we did, we had the Chernobyl picture. That was my opening stick. No, it was good. It was uh, good. The, it led to a bitter argument between us, but it was yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. Um, no, I dressed because uh, uh, this is sort of the way, although in black, that the Velvet Underground dressed. They were very formal and dignified. And if you, uh, the more you read about them and hear about them, the more the word dignity props into the discussion. It's sort of like they were classical musicians playing this incredibly uh, noisy and chaotic version of rock and roll. Um, and I've seen the and documentary. You have, you have seen the them. new documentary. Yeah. We, you've seen the new documentary. And I'm, we can talk about I'm that. Ready to in talk the about it, but you haven't seen it, right? No, but I have seen the Dave Chappelle now. So we can, we can, we can each say a little bit. And you've already seen Dave Chappelle. And then I will vow to actually watch a substantial part of Velvet Underground and then come back next week in the pair room and argue with you about whatever you say this week in the pair room and say that it's wrong, Th which it is. This is. This is a, uh, this is uh, appealingly confusing as should be in the digressive verse that we're now. Should we tell people who our very special guest is, assuming he shows up? Sure. I've, Walter Kern. Walter Kern, uh, who's, who's one of the great. Interesting for a number of reasons. Right. What are your reasons? Names. Well, uh, he wrote the uh, book on which the the. Uh, movie the george clooney movie up in the air was based which i think is an interesting it's not unrelated to the trump phenomenon that emerged later and walter turns out to have a certain amount of trumpist sympathy you would know more about his specific ideology we, than i would but you and him are buddies you guys I like i don't know that much we're, we're we're friends he's 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 a distinguished fiction writer and also a a, a sort of unique voice on the scene he's trump sympathetic but he's 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 all He's he's not, he, I'm sure he doesn't fall for Trump's bullshit. He lives in the heartland. Uh, he voices sentiments of, of people who live there and sort of don't care about the fuss in Washington. He's also one of the great mm -hmm. talkers of our time. I mean, he, we had an epic debate uh, where we ganged up on Virginia Heffernan in Las Vegas. And basically, I stepped to the side and let him and Virginia duke it out. And it was in, an incredibly good show, I thought. Uh, yeah, some people. He's a and he, he he's a frequent uh, guest on, for example, uh, I think Greg Gutfeld's right. uh, now highly rated show on right. Fox, highly rated. Um, and I wanted to talk to him about that. That um, you know what I want to talk to him about, Mickey? This, this. You know what that is? That is the 125th anniversary of the New York Times Book Review. Right. I'm going to ask him, you know, he's a literary, you know, guy, a novelist, uh, majored in like English or comp lit or something at Princeton. 
and something of a, of a Trumpist. And I'm going to say, Walter, how do you feel about the fact that the New York Times, if you look at the books whose reviews they dredged up over the past 125 years, they came up with uh, a white male quotient of about 25%. I've got a feeling that Walter may say that over the last 125 years, white male authors deserve a higher representation than 25%, but maybe I'm wrong. He could say that. I'm not sure that's a big shtick of his, but he could say that. I'll bet. Don't tell him I'm going to say this. Well, he won't know. Uh, but but uh, I'm going to try to goad him into an outburst that will make all my outbursts it, seem tame. Uh, by I've never found it hard to goad him into an outburst. <laughs> Excellent. It, I don't think it requires too much goading. Um, he's very eloquent and passionate. Um, I wanted to talk a little about Homa Abedin's claim that a senator made a pass at her, an awkward pass. Uh, Wait, Huma, is she the one who was the wife of? Yes, Anthony Weiner. Excellent. Uh, a good question. What right does she have to complain about an awkward past when her husband was? Yeah, surely this guy compares favorably with <laughs> exactly. Anthony Weiner. She's her life is getting better. Yeah. Um. Uh, she should have made the switch. Um. Mort Saul passed away. Uh, yeah, he would be the kind of guy you'd have views on, and I wouldn't. I don't but, have that many but views, but I have some views. Uh, yep. There's they're 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 figuring out how to make test two babies. They're that they're this close, Bob. How close? I thought they were already making them, but we'll talk about it. Um, maybe they're already making yes, them. Dude. Now we may not get to all these before Walter shows up. Anyway, but, that's uh, um, we that's we'll what's on my list. And then Walter also, will show up, we hope. I have a friend who gave up their electric car. First person I've met who why? gave up their EV. And if people want to know why, there's only one way they can find out. Right, and that's exactly. to go to Patreon.com/slash/ParrotRoomEV. And if and I have car, you know, I, I, I have learned so much about the Honda CRV hybrid and the Toyota RAV4 hybrid that you will be put to shame. I know so much more than you do. And you call yourself like a car is, guy. I know so much more about It's endlessly about fascinating that. to me, Bob, and I'm sure it's endlessly fascinating to our viewers. They want to know I, about the Honda CRV crossover. You laugh, but wait and see how the Patreon numbers go up now that I've said that. Okay. Actually, actually, now. um, talking about cars got good reviews from our readers. However, talking about your dogs, Bob, got decidedly mixed them. reviews. There were many. Oh, that's the other thing I'm going to talk about. Frazier uh, bit me big time. Took a long time to stop the bleeding. Um, I forgive him. He is he is old, blind, and demented. Uh. I have all sorts of retorts I'll talk about that, that. I will not. Bonus content, folks. Play-by-play -play of my dog bite. Writing it down. <laughs> We're bite. losing them. We're losing them right now. We left. should go. We should go before we, yeah. before we uh, impress them more. Okay. Okay. See you there. On, on a pair. See you there.